You're listening to Give and Go Vikes with Liam and Tyler, supported by the UVic Alumni Association. On this episode of Give and Go Vikes, we're shifting gears a little bit and pulling our guests from the crowd. Today, we are joined by the legendary Vikes superfan, Sugar Shane Gayton. Not only is Shane a regular at our Vikes games, but he's also worn a few different hats working for Vikes Athletics and Rec. All right, we have a treat in store for you guys today. This one, it was a different one for most of our episodes. We're used to student athletes, uh, but we've managed to wrangle somebody that has made their way through all the Vikes ranks, even as a team manager, Sugar Shane. Tyler, this was your first impression of Shane. Uh, I know him personally, but what did you think of the guy? I'm not a huge fan of the saying, like hitting the ground running, but as soon as we opened up that Zoom call and he started talking, I mean, all three of us kind of hit the ground running and I felt like I got along with this guy right away. I felt like all the stories he talked about from his college time, and I got a couple of them here that I relate to on every single level. And this was a, this was an absolute treat for me personally. You two are quite good friends, so I'm sure it was a blast for you. But what did you think? I thought it was great. I mean, Shane is trying to be, be uh, slipping me a 20 to try and get on this show. And eventually I was just like, you know, what, man, I'll do a pro bono for you. I know, I know you're a great guy. Let's make it happen. So uh, yeah, absolutely delivered on the stories. Actually quite a few things I didn't know. I didn't know he was one of the mystery men in those yellow suits. It's uh, good to hear some of those things. Also good to hear him elaborate on some of the other ones too. Yeah. Tyler, yeah. anything that you really want to tease before we get into the episode? I just want to touch on one of the stories. So he's talking about the yellow man suits and we actually had those at TRU for a couple of games and me and my buddies, we wore them and I wanted to interject. I didn't want to interject with my story because Shane was just rolling, but I just wanted to kind of explain my side of things. So we would, what we would do is we would make like a human pyramid and hoist people up and sit right underneath the basket on one end of the court. And we would go back after that game, go online, look up the stats from the game, and the teams shot 40% worse from free throws uh, <laughs> when they're shooting towards us. And he mentioned that he tried to get kicked out of a game. I actually did get kicked out of a game in college. So our baseball team, we would go to the Friday, Saturday game every weekend, whether it was basketball or volleyball. And we had our own cheering section where we just gave the other team heck all night long. It was against Brandon in men's volleyball. And that's a, that's a, that was a pretty big rivalry at the time. And it was pregame, you know, they're doing the warmups and like they're bumping and spiking back and forth to each other. And we're like feet away from them, just screaming at them. And one of the guys, he like spikes the ball off the ground in my direction. It comes up, smokes me in the face. My glasses go flying. And so like, I'm ticked. I'm livid at this point. Cause this was it, the Friday game had to be, it must've been like hardly contested. So Saturday with, there's going to be a lot of energy. So, and yeah. then this guy just smokes me in the face. So then I'm sitting on the sidelines and I'm watching them like pass back and forth. And then one, a pass comes close enough over to me. I jump out of the stands and I punch the ball across the TCC gym and instantly. (laughs) (laughs) And the team, like the, the Brandon team, they come and everyone kind of gets in our face and they were like screaming at him. And like the men's volleyball coach loves this story at tier you and we're screaming and it didn't take too long, but the, for uh, myself and a couple of my buddies got kicked out. But uh, Shane says that he always wishes he would have got kicked out of game. It's cool in thought. It's really not that cool after the fact because 
all your friends are inside and they're watching a great game and you're uh, stuck outside in the cold trying to figure out a way to get home. <laughs> did you did you get banned from like multiple games then or was it just the one game offense? No, no, no. It was one game. They loved having the baseball guys at basketball and volleyball games. And we would come in and heckle the other team like to no extent. And like he said, you're in a quiet gym. You're so up close and personal. When TRU hosted men's volleyball national championships, I think in my second year, TRU, they ended up with the bronze. But I guess before the playoffs started, the UFC Calgary Dinos a team manager got somehow got in contact with our team was like, Hey, you know, if we're in the gold medal match, not against here, you can, you make sure all the guys come out and are given heck to uh, the other guys, whoever were playing in the championship match. And so we went and we were cheering for the dinos. I, I forget who they're playing, but we were giving it to them pretty hard. <laughs> so that. yeah, they wanted, they wanted us at all the games. So I, I don't want to get too into the specifics here, but I have a feeling that's not the only sporting event that you've been kicked out of. How many have you been kicked out of in total? In college? No, just in total. I think that's the only one. Like if I'm paying money, like we didn't pay because we were with the varsity team. So if I'm paying money to go to like a a Mariners game or a Flames game, I'm usually on my best behavior or at least like I'm not pushing the envelope. Envelope, Like I'm having a good time, but... I'm not starting fights in the stands or anything. Oh, no, I don't I'll see get, you as one of those guys at all. I'll, I'll get into the game for sure. Yeah, I know that you're one to get to want to get close to the action. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, Sugar Shane Gayton, the Vice legendary fan. Enjoy the episode. Just before we toss it to the episode, Liam, it's not common knowledge, but this is my last podcast with the Give and Go Vikes. So I got a little uh, little treat for all the listeners at the end, and I got some trivia for you about the podcast coming up later. So little tease, and uh, yeah, take it away, Shane. Shane, welcome to the show. How's it going today? Living the dream, baby. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a huge honor, as per usual. I'm so happy you decided to join us on the show. It's going to be a blast. And we want to start with a very important question. So as I mentioned, to many of the people you're known as Sugar Shane, or simply just Sugar. So can you tell us where the nickname originated? Yeah, that was actually uh, my dad. My dad's favorite boxer growing up was Sugar Shane Mosley. And despite my zero resembling anything like a boxer, it kind of stuck. So when I was in middle school, my dad was basically the only person that called me Sugar, but he was the teacher at the high school I was going to. So I'm from a small town. So when I got to high school, like everyone knew who I was, but no one knew my real name. Like it was exclusively Sugar. And so I just kind of steered into the skid. And throughout high school, probably like 80 to 85% of the people life like exclusively referred to me as sugar if i handed in a test with shane teachers would consider it a no-name test they'd pretend that i they didn't know who this kid was it was just like no way. i was uh it was sink or swim yeah seriously like i i it's not like i was out here self-promoting or anything like that it was just the reality was my name was sugar and uh and so I thought as far as nicknames go, it wasn't that bad. So I was like, let's let's just, you know, steer into this kid. Otherwise, it might get worse. I was a freshman at, at high school. It could have gotten a lot worse. It's a pretty good one. I feel like your dad was probably changing your preferred name and all the forms to sugar just to kind of pass it on and keep letting it in. 
Absolutely true. Uh, my dad actually was a huge believer. I would go on field trips, and since I was at the high school, it was basically just like run this form to your dad and have it sign it. And in every single uh, field trip form for all of high school, my social insurance number was just seven because my dad never like didn't want to actually go call my mom and figure out what was. So every every legal document has just seven as my social insurance number because he was too lazy to do anything else. Your social insurance number or your like personal health care number? Uh, probably my personal health care number, I guess. But uh, I was going to say, yeah, I, I don't the, know. The number that you need. I was going to say, I don't know many like high school, <laughs> yeah, high yeah, school, school my forms social that require your social insurance number. <laughs> Maybe it was good. He's keeping me out of scams. I was, I was falling for something and he's protecting me. Who knows? Hey, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, that's come up on the podcast before. We call you a super fan because we see you all the time out supporting the Vikes, whether it's heckling at a basketball game or supporting the newest Lululemon outerwear at soccer games. Can you tell us about some of your favorite Vikes sports moments from the past few years? Yeah, it, the whole journey kind of started actually when I was in first year. My buddy Austin and I, Austin went out and bought two yellow morph suits. And so I wore one and he wore the other. And we just started by going to soccer games because our buddy Evan was on the team. And so we were in the crowd wearing morph suits. And at this point in Centennial, there's the two guys in morph suits are two of like 47 people in the stands. So you stand <laughs> out pretty quick every day other than like Thunderfest. So uh, Zach Andrus, who used to run the Vikes engagement, he was like the Vikes engagement coordinator, spotted us in the crowd and had us start doing some halftime stuff, like the relays and all that kind of jazz. And so... We started doing that and we were doing them with morph suits. So it's an absolute scenes. We're running around. We can't see. There's bright lights shining in our faces. And we're trying to do this soccer relay. And Zach hands us a swag bag afterwards. And he's like, hey, thanks so much. And we were like, yeah, thanks, man. Like, we were going to be here anyway. So now at least we have something to do. Yeah. And so that kind of started the whole journey. And we made an Instagram. We were the UVic yellow guys. And we started going to all the soccer games, basketball games, everything, like wearing the, the morph suits. So then as Zach started building up the Vikes Nation Ambassador program, he kind of looped us into that. So that was like the big, that was kind of kicked things off, was wearing the yellow suit. That year, I think, in my first year was when we won Canada West and the guys went to nationals. And I think we got to clinch Canada West at home. So there was a big game. It was jam-packed. And as the buzzer goes off austin and i get ready to storm the court like we're just gonna go run because i made friends with a couple of the basketball guys so you can see us there's a video somewhere of the two of us like start running down the sidelines but then one of the referees had called like a, sh a foul or a shot clock violation so it stopped and the game wasn't actually over and austin and i you can see us like real on the sideline we're like oh my god we just like cost them the game by storming the court so we stop and then we're just standing there and there's like 0.7 left on the clock and now there's a timeout and the offensive coach is like trying to drop a play and we're just standing there like a couple of idiots <laughs> and eventually the buzzer goes off we, we restorm the court and to be honest i mean storm is is pretty liberal it was just the two of us so if anything we bothered the court and um and we run in and we're we're dancing with the players. We're having a good time. And luckily the guys, because the two morph suit guys kind of stand out, most of them knew us. So they were pretty stoked. I even got a high, f uh, high five from uh, Craig Bocamp, which was a huge oh. step in the right direction. Yeah, I was yeah. expecting to be shunned away, but he gave us a high five. So those were probably the two big ones from first year was like getting recruited by Zach and then going and celebrating with the team after, after we clinched Canada West. That's a big game. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Now, Shane, I've never met you in person, but I've put on the morph suit before uh, when I was in college here to you. How tall are you? Because I know depending on how tall and maybe like how girthy you are, it either enhances or restricts the vision. Were you able to see a lot with that thing on? No, I'm definitely not tall enough. Whatever the whatever the required height is in a morph suit, I would say I'm about three inches shy of it because it was pretty lights out. If you cover your eyes, almost like you're squinting in the sunlight, but you look silly because you're inside, the kind of shade makes it easier. But that so Austin and I used to look around like with our hand above our eyes as if we were looking for someone in a crowd. In reality, it was just like we're trying to see anything at all. But uh, so, but we're looking, we look as if we're looking for someone in a crowd of 50 people where you can clearly see who everyone is. And it was just, it was a bit of a tough look. But oh my uh, God. you got to do what you got to do. So Rihanna, Jack Nicholson, Drizzy Drake, Jessica Alba, Spike Lee, and my guy, Nav Batia, they're all super fans. And then there's yourself. What can you tell yeah. us about what it takes to become a Vikes super fan? Big thing is, I think the big advantage at a lot of Vikes things is that prime real estate, like prime seating is readily available. So that was a big thing. Like um, my roommate, Ty Nelson, who used to work for Joni, was a big intramurals guy. Him and I were front row right next to the, uh, right next to the basket every basketball game. And we heckled mercilessly. It's a really neat environment. Kind of in Canada West, you have like such access to players. And they, they hand out at the, uh, at the beginning of the game, they give you the program. So you have everyone's name. And it's an arena where people can actually hear you. So you can talk directly to coaches, to players. When guys are shooting a free throw, it's just you. So you can, you're basically having conversations with these people. So obviously you keep everything above board, but Ty and I were pretty rowdy and uh, our dream was to get kicked out. But in that same kind of, uh, it's a double-edged sword because in the, in the same time when you can talk to the people, you talk to the refs a lot too. And there, so we became first name basis with a lot of the refs and they would kind of give us warnings being like, Hey, whoa, like that one was, <laughs> let's, let's keep it, uh, let's keep it professional, <laughs> nothing personal here. So we would, uh, we would be begging to be thrown out, but they, they wouldn't give us the satisfaction. We, we were never, we were never tossed. And, uh, but we had a lot of fun just being that close to the action. I think that's a huge step in the right direction. And then presence, you know, what else are you doing on Friday at eight o'clock? Realistically, especially, especially when you have access to varsity sports, like just go and be at the game. They're serving beers. Now you can have a couple of beers, sit courtside, have a blast, watch some high level sports. And then, uh, and then head out with your night, you know? Yeah. It's uh, going to be nice when we get back to that. Cause I know you still make an effort to come to a lot of the games and cheer on the guys and heckle the, uh, sure. the guys and the other teams for sure. You better not be rocking that UFC dinos hoodie though. When you're coming to the next games. <laughs> yeah. I, I promise that's actually from a friend of mine who plays rugby at, she played rugby at UVic in her first year and then transferred back to UFC. So when I left UVic in 2018, uh, I was somewhat of the hot free agent on the market. So she, the next time she came to visit, she gave me a UFC Dinos hoodie. I got two hoodies and a pair of sweatpants. And she said, you don't go to UVic anymore. When you come watch me play rugby, you, uh, you wear Dinos stuff. So wow, it, uh, it was weird. I felt like an enemy in territory. You know, I'd go watch, uh, her name's Isla, and I'd go watch her at UVic. And everyone kind of knows who I am. And all of a sudden, I take off my jacket, and there's a UFC Dinos hoodie on. And... It was a lot. It was a lot of dirty looks. People are going to be coming after you. Yeah. Uh, so 
I know you being a super fan, you being one of the guys, you're in with the players. Uh, you might try and slip the coach some insight on some defensive tactics between halves and quarters. So tell me, how did you manage to go from just attending the games, being part of the Vikes Nation ambassador team to actually being the manager of the men's basketball team? The big one, I think the big step was just persistence. Like I, I really liked, I love basketball. Coach Josh Mullen and I had become pretty close. So his first year as an assistant was the year that I went and joined as a, as a manager. And so the big thing was like, I had the time that I was willing to commit to it. I think that's like the number one thing. It's not, it's not like a highly did position uh, for others. Like for me, it was living my dreams. Like I got to be a part of a varsity team finally after like squeezing my way into so much varsity stuff just by being around. And so I had a really good relationship with a lot of guys, all the guys actually. And then the coaches were incredible. And so I, I had the free time, the willingness, and a huge level of excitement about it. So I think those are the big three things. The funny story actually was one of our first home games, I was uh, in charge of like advanced stats in a way. Like I was tracking our points, touches in the paint, what the result of those were and how we got there. And so we go in at halftime, and this is alluding to your point about slipping the coach some, some pointers at halftime. We go in at halftime and, and Josh and Craig always stand outside the door, do a little con, like conferring with each other before they come in. And so in that moment, I was looking down at my stats board and I was kind of like, okay, like I can see what is working and what isn't. And so the guys kind of take a hush and I'm like, hey boys, like when we're touching, when we're getting feet in the paint, we're getting buckets. Like let's really try and push onto those. And that was the moment that Craig had walked in. And so here I am, some absolute nobody, just like talking to his team and telling them what to do. And Craig instantly grabs me. He's like, come here. And we walk around the corner and he goes, you're not a coach. Don't coach. And he was, he was firm. He wasn't like mean or anything, but he was firm. He's like, hey, know your role. Like stay in, LeVar, stay in your lane, pal. Yeah. Just a towel, old boy. And so, and the whole team is kind of like quiet and everyone can hear him talking to me. And so I was like, no problem. I'm really sorry. Like, sorry that I'm making you time away from actually coaching your team. And so he walks around the corner, everyone talks and I'm just sitting in the locker room. And as everyone's heading back onto the floor, everyone just kind of gives me a little shoulder tap. Like, yeah, we all knew that was coming. And, uh, Everyone files out of the change room and then it's just me and Josh and Josh just starts laughing so hard. And he's like, that's the exact thing you weren't supposed to do. He's like, I did the same thing. And Craig gave me the exact same spiel. So he's like, it's nice to know it wasn't just me. And we walk out back on the court and obviously everything was fine, but it was just a little funny moment. Like my two seconds of coaching varsity basketball or just giving a pointer to varsity basketball were instantly shut down. And I was told very clearly, no one cares what you think. <laughs> like, stop talking. <laughs> Your spotlight was immediately taken away there. Man, that's good. So obviously you yeah. ended up learning to take uh, take some of those takes to yourself and maybe keep the hot takes to a minimum. But you seem like you're really dedicated to your role. So what were you doing as a team manager? Firing up the boys, assigning nicknames, picking up Starbucks for the coach and staff? What were, uh, what were your list of duties? So big one was basically like, I had to make sure that practice was ready to run when I got, when the boys showed up. So I would show up and get, like if we were running practice with, like I would set up the cones, do this kind of stuff. A big part of my job was actually film work. So I would climb up into the bleachers and film practices, whether it was like offensive sets, defensive sets, or just kind of stuff that was going on at practice. Uh, This was a pylon pretty often. If there had to be someone on the body bag underneath the hoop, that was a lot of fun for me, actually. I just got to, it was basically playing hack-a-shack with everyone down low. Um, so I got to put the body bag into some guys. 
And then the other big one was actually because of the amount that I was not committed to school and I was more committed to basketball. When the players had individual workouts, I would go with Josh and help and like help him out at a lot of daily practices. So I was spending, you know, like 12 to 20 hours in the gym every week between individual workouts practices. And then the biggest bonus for me as a manager was I got to uh, use the shooting gun. So I was putting up more shots than any team. Craig put together a contest for two weeks, I think, to see if any pair of players could put up more shots than me in a week. And I, I went undefeated both wow. weeks. Is that yeah, the other thing baskets on, or is that just like attempts? Both. I think attempts, definitely the, the big one. I mean, I was shooting a decent percentage, but nothing, nothing crazy. And Craig would always get kind of frustrated. He's like, why is Shane putting up more shots than everyone else on this team? And I would say, you know, the simple answer is that when they're at practice, I'm not working. Like these guys are putting in two hours of work every day at practice. And I'm just standing there as a pylon or as a video, as a tripod, like holding this camera. Whereas these guys are busting their ball, you know, two hours a day. And so of course I would go in at noon and put up two hours of shots. Like I had nothing better to do. Well, I, I shot it. I should have been studying, but I had nothing I wanted to do more. So <laughs> that was the big one. And then uh, preseason, I was in charge of organizing where we where we ate, and like where we stayed in Vancouver. Sorry, where we where we ate. Josh took care of hotels, but I would I would call restaurants while we were on the ferry, try and get a good deal, figure out where we would eat, something relatively healthy, that kind of stuff. And then, so I got to go with them to UBC in the preseason, which was amazing. That was like a really really cool trip riding in vans it's very interesting i mean a lot of people play high school sports and know how how important the vans on the road trip are and it's the same thing when you get to varsity sports like those three vans pull up and you can see like all right some seniors are going in this van freshmen and uh and coaches in one van and then there's kind of like a gray zone and there's usually craig will drive and then two players will drive and it's almost always the same guy so stints was a driver when i was there and justin Kinnear was the other driver and so it was like, are you in Justin's van, Taylor's van, or, or coach's van? So I was a coach's van kid instantly. It wasn't even a choice. Josh instantly got me. He's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going anywhere. You're going to sit in here. So I think my van was me, Josh, Craig, Aaron, Jaden, and Scott. Scott Kellum got roped in our van because Craig wanted to talk with him. So Scott and I are sitting in the back. And Scott's, I think, in his third year at this point. And he's looking at Taylor's van as they're just going away with like hides and Scully and all the boys. And he's like, all right, well, let's chat with coach, I guess. And so he's... <laughs> a lot of good memories there by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit too much fun. It was a great, it was a great year. I'm really awesome. thankful for that whole year. It was a blast. Speaking of some great memories, who are some of your favorite Vikes athletes, not just from the basketball team, but just across all sports at UVic? Oh man, you're going to make me put a lot of people on the spot here. Probably one of my best friends, um, Evan Stefanik and I have grown up together since we were like five years old, um, playing soccer, basketball. We went to high school together. We've been, we've been best friends forever. Same with Isaac Coach. Isaac and I were roommates. I know, friend of the show. Actually, I'm going to take some huge credit here. The year Isaac uh, ran the world in soccer and was like best player in, on the planet, I th- is, that's the label I gave him. He was my roommate. So I think I think it had a lot to do with the environment he was living in. Is what propelled his career forward. Yeah, exactly. It was good. There was great vibes in the house. Isaac that year was really close with a lot of people in the basketball team. And then through the equipment desk, we would kind of have like good relationships. Uh, Gerp from the women's rugby team is awesome. I keep saying was as if these people aren't here anymore, but she was a dream. And then 
Grant Sitton and I are really good friends to this day. So him and I still chat a lot. All the basketball guys and gals were awesome. Kira Kilby on the women's soccer team. Her and I are really close. Allie Mertland for a few years. Uh, she played at UVic and her and I are still really close friends. So I, uh, I think that the culture that UVic has around their varsity sports is like really cool. There's a sense of unity across a lot of sports, which I think is interesting. There's obviously the playful rivalries, like when the varsity teams start playing those games like Assassin and you see uh, pretty, pretty quickly, there's like a level of who knows who, because you start having people ask questions like, Hey, who is this person on like the field, the men's field hockey team? Like, who is this person? So that's pretty fun. And then the change rooms become a very dangerous area. Like walking that Carsa hallway has never been more daunting than like when there's a game of, you should know who's at you. Laura Ferreira from the women's golf team, also a friend. There's just no bad options. You know, everyone's, everyone's really nice. And uh, especially when you're at the men's desk, like you had a pretty good relationship with most of the varsity athletes because you held the key to their towel and their key to the weight room. So once you started becoming friends, it was, it was pretty easy to maintain. Yeah, I was going to mention that as well. It seems like there's quite a few of the varsity athletes that also work in the equipment desk. Um, so that's also a great way to yeah. meet people, see people coming through the gym and, and all that too. Uh, any equipment desk or other CARSA employees that may be favorites of yours over the years? Keep this shout Ooh. shout out. Uh, Zach, I owe like everything to Zach Andrus, who like first got me in the door at car and Joni Phillips from intramurals opened the door to the equipment desk. Those two will, and Jason from clubs. Like I, I consider that whole like athletics and recreation department upstairs to just be like some of the best people. Joanne at the front desk is still my favorite person to gossip with hands down. She is the nicest person to chat with. She's always so sweet, a little bit of sass and everything she says. It's a dream. Kevin Ram is incredible. Uh, Paul and Stuart, they run the equipment desk. They're a dream. And then, um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, Clint Hamilton, king of king of Vikes Athletics, is uh, is always a good person to shout out. He was always really nice to me, um, so thankful for that. And uh, a lot of good people out there that make uh, great culture, right? Yeah, yeah, that's important. I think I think that some, sometimes that gets lost in the hum of it all, like just the daily grind. But like, what these people do for careers is incredible. Like, you get to work in the athletics facility, university with a state of the art facility, and like incredible athletes. That, as far as dream jobs go, has to be at the top. So I think that a lot of the times, sometimes it, it gets lost, but then you have a moment of clarity when you're working with the people upstairs where they kind of go, oh, wow, this is my job. Like, that's really cool. And that's when these great events like Dodge in the Dark and um, Thunderfest and all those things like start picking up is like, that's, those events are born from that moment of like, wow, what we do for a living is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, both Liam and I love our jobs tremendously. You mentioned that uh, Grant's hidden, friend of the show, good friend of yours. Do you remember the first time you and Grant met? Yeah, the first time Grant and I met was actually uh, a classic first-year maneuver. He was sitting in the caf, the cafeteria by himself, I think before a practice. And I had lunch and I had a tray and I was kind of like, oh, this guy's cool. Like I like him on the basketball team. So I just went and sat down. I was like, Hey man, I'm Shane. Huge fan of basketball. Like, do you mind if I sit with you? And he was like, no man, that's, I mean, he, he's the nicest guy. I mean, you guys have met him. So he was obviously like, yeah, no worries. Uh, sat down, hung out with me. And then it kind of started from there. I would see him in the cafeteria. We kind of wave at each other, uh, going through McKinnon. We would say hi to each other. Cause that in my first year, Carso was not open yet. And so McKinnon was the, was the home base. So yeah, since day one, 
Grant has been has been super kind. And then he started when he was like putting up shots in the gym. Sometimes I'd come and rebound for him, and the friendship kind of blossomed from there. Uh, he was the first guy I ran to when they when they clenched Canada West because I knew he would be. He was one person for sure that wouldn't like just shove me out of the way. So I went and him and I. I think there's a picture somewhere of us having like a jumping hug uh, when they clinched it, and so that was really cool. So I think that's the moment we met. It was in the cafeteria. Yeah, Grant, uh, we spoke to Grant before the show and he Uh-oh. had only great things to say about you. And uh, one of the Yikes. first things he brought up was that, that first interaction that you guys had. He said that you got, you actually like ditched a bunch of your other res buddies and saw that he was sitting there just chilling before practice. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go talk to him. And he was like, hey man, uh, you don't know me, but let's uh, be friends essentially. And then uh, you really spoke <laughs> to how much that, that speaks to your character and kind of just who you are. So I thought I'd bring that up for him. Yeah. Oh, that's nice of Grant. I'm glad I paid him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true that you gave him the nickname Grantua? Oh, man. You know, I definitely remember calling him that, but I don't want to step on anyone's toes and claim that because I don't, I don't specifically remember it, but I definitely know that as soon as it was a thing, I was a big, I was a big supporter of Grantula, I think is the most I can claim off of that because I don't. I don't want to get a text after this and someone be like, hey, what the hell? Like, I, I started that. I think it, it was probably me or Kai Green was also pretty creative. So it could have been him. But I was definitely a huge advocate for Grantula. That's a, definitely that's a, helped it a stick by the sounds of it. Yeah. Big time. Big supporter. That's a great nickname. So speaking of uh, supporting, we're going to give you a bit of a hard time about your NBA decisions here. So uh, we could, and you and I have in the past, had long conversations about the NBA. This could go on for hours, but we're going to try and limit it a little bit here. Um, yeah. We know you're a big basketball fan, okay. particularly the Bucks. But is it true that you think Kevin Durant is the greatest of all time? No. <laughs> Are you <laughs> sure? Who's your information on this? I've a hard belie- I'm a hard believer that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, and LeBron is the best of all time. I think they're separate, I we but were, I, I do think that... We were tipped off that yeah, you're a firm believer that Kevin Durant is up there, though. Do you have a hot take on Kevin Durant? Yeah. Or is uh, somebody trying to give you a hard time? Someone's definitely trying to give me a hard time. That's I, I love Kevin Durant. I think he's incredible. But come on. like What are we even talking about here? This guy's not... He's not in the, not in the top 20, maybe. I don't know. He's, but he's an incredible player. I don't think he's top 20 yet all time. Where are you going to put Giannis in that conversation? I know you're a big Giannis guy. Uh, he's got to do a lot to get up in that category. I, I think he can, though. I think Giannis has the potential to finish as like a top 10 all-time player. Well, obviously, the hot topic right now is Giannis and the Supermax. So do you think he's signing the Supermax? And if not, where do you think he's going? I do. I think he's a, I think he stays in Milwaukee. I pray that he stays in Milwaukee. I just, it would make my life so much easier because if he leaves, I am subject to so much ridicule and so much heat for my Bucks love that it's just going to be unbearable. I genuinely do think he wants to stay there. I've been pretty disappointed in the Bucks offseason moves so far. I think Drew Holiday is a, a good pickup. I don't know if he's worth like five picks. Um, nope. But if Giannis stays, then it's, then it's, a beautiful price. I'd pay anything to keep Giannis. So I needed that. When we announced the Drew Holiday trade, I needed like the next day to be like, and Giannis signs the Supermax. And then I'm totally fine with what we paid. I would have paid anything to keep Giannis. That is, that's the big dilemma in my life. Is like, It's like being in a relationship and you're kind of like seeing these signs. You're like, oh man, like maybe things aren't as good as I think they are. Like, why is, why isn't she wanting to have dinner three times a week anymore? But you're like, nah, I really like her. So it's 
definitely going to work out. And then, you know, it's either like, you're right. And things are going to go fine. Or it's going to be a really, really hard breakup coming my way. Oh my gosh, this is your relationship with the Bucks and Giannis. Holy. (laughs) Yeah, literally. But if he, if he leaves, I think he goes to Dallas. And then him and Luca will win like 11 championships. And Dallas. I haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah. I keep hearing, everybody knows the Heat story. Everybody's saying the Heat are clearing cap space. Yeah. And try and sign him next year, but. There's another yeah, team out there that wants him. That they Dude, got a, one of the Raptors. I know you're a Raptors fan and it's just, it's just they got a, They have a huge Greek community in Toronto. From what I hear, Masai yeah. was big in helping his family get out and onto their feet uh, when Giannis was younger. And so there's some loyalty there, lifelong loyalty. That's got to mean something. And I think the Raptors are doing a better job of clearing cap space than Miami right now. or setting themselves up. I mean, by giving all these guys team options for after this season, that will definitely open up a lot of room. So I don't know. I think Yanni would look pretty good in the old Raptors uniform. Yanni That's, in the Raptors uh, uni. Yeah. Yikes. Um, I, I got to say. That's actually so, my worst case scenario. It is, if he goes to the Raptors, rips on you because they leave your yeah. team and come to our team. Oh my gosh! I seriously, I won't be able to leave my house for like a, a year. No one, I will never live that down. That's easily the worst case scenario. If he goes to Toronto, <laughs> I'll move, <laughs> I'll move somewhere. I must say, it's refreshing to hear someone else refer to their team as we. Like I've done that about the Raptors and Blue Jays on this podcast so many times. But I'm curious, like Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if I know another diehard Milwaukee Bucks fan in my life. How did that come about? I think Aaron Rodgers is the only other guy I know that likes the Bucks, and he's True. a part owner. Right on. Good to, me and Aaron, very similar in a lot of ways, actually. People say that pretty often. <laughs> I'm better at throwing a football, but he's nice. He's nice. Yeah, so that came from, I wasn't that big into the NBA, but I loved Kobe. And so as I started getting older, the NBA started becoming a lot more popular, which is leading to like where it is now, like a, a 12, a, a full year leak like it's always churning out news it's always dominating headlines and so for me it was kind of like oh all right it's draft night like who do i like and i saw them take Giannis, and i watched literal youtube clips of like this absolute monster human dunking on these poor what i assume to be like eighth graders like whatever league he was playing in was hilarious but i just looked at him and i thought well if he's good it'll be really cool and so I jumped on Milwaukee. They had Jason the Jet Terry. Ursan Ilyasova's been there three times, and I've liked it all three times. Ew. It's um, yeah, he's good, man. And I don't care. He's good. Like <laughs> I, everyone hates now. him. Yeah, they had to clear him because his uh, his contract is a whole thing. I also hate. I now hate the Sacramento Kings with like a burning passion. <laughs> um, that whole thing was such a joke. But that was the biggest thing. I thought, like, you know what? Let's just hop in on the ground floor. If he ends up being great, that'll be really cool. And I don't know. I just like, I, I like to be different with my sports teams, not to a degree that I'm like, you know, only liking bad teams. Like I'm not going to go cheer for the Atlanta Hawks now, but it's kind of cool. So that was the big one. Giannis. I was there for Giannis. I'm still there for Giannis. If he leaves to Miami, I will be crushed. If he goes to Dallas, I have been on the record saying I will go with him. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Fair. I think Dallas yeah. is a, a good up and coming team to follow. They get better every year for sure. And like, yeah, is a real thing. Lucas, the most incredible player I think we've seen in a long time. Like what he is doing, he's 21 and he's going to, he is going to be Giannis's biggest competition for MVP next year. I think if Giannis is still in the conversation, he's going to have to do a lot. Oh, I'm so scared. My life is sad. 
But before uh, we before we move on from the yeah. NBA here, who are some of your favorite NBA players that might fly under the radar? And what are those intangibles that you really like about them? Oh, I I know who you're alluding to. I am the world's biggest Dante DiVincenzo fan. I think that he I don't is think that list so is too long. I don't you're, think that's a long list. No, but I'm on the top. I don't want it known. I think it's really cool that this guy who is he didn't start a single game in college, went in the second round, has worked his tail off to become like a solid rotation piece. At the deadline last year, he was like one of the most talked about names and Milwaukee deemed him untradeable because of his potential, his upside. Um, he needs to work on his shot. I'm not like delusional about it. He needs to work on his shot and become a more reliable scoring threat. But his defense and his athleticism are incredible. He was like top five in the league for steals per minute played. Like he was, he is legit. He's just a worker. An NBA game was the first game he started since high school. He plays defense too. I mean, he's good on the other side of the ball, too, which is yeah. Good to see. And um, I, I usually go the other way though. I I don't find that um, the defensive guys are like the guys that I I glue to. No, a couple of my under the radar guys that I really like Jordan yeah, Clarkson. Please. You you hate Ooh. that I like Jordan Clarkson, but I talk about both you guys do. That is so terrible. It's Darius Smith, a legend. Oh my. Oh, and then no. coming out of the draft, coming out of the draft this year, not a well-known defensive guy by any means, but a good playmaker and shooter, Miles Powell. He went undrafted, got signed by the Knicks. I'm yeah. watching him. He's kind of going to be like my Dante, I think. I'm going to follow this guy. Are you going to tell everyone how I how I called that Knicks signing? Like yeah, four hours did. before it happened? He did. I was talking to Shane about this, and I was saying, man, it's so sad because I saw that Miles Powell had this big draft party with his family. The guy didn't even get drafted. And then really Shane was like, uh, well, I mentioned that he's been working out with Obi Toppin and uh, in New Jersey. And Shane was like, oh, just watch. He's going to sign with the Knicks. And then sure enough, four hours later, Miles Powell signs a two-year deal with the Knicks. And I was like, oh, my God, the guy just called this. Incredible. Yeah. That's a pretty good call. It's my, it's my inside info. It's my inside info. It was pretty I'm, great. I'm close with Obi. Who else on under the radar, guys? Do I like? It okay. sounds like you would like Marc Gasol. Liam gives me a hard time for enjoying the Marc Gasol experience. Liam hates that pick. Hardworking guy, grit and grind. He's an NBA champion. I don't know what you know. We haven't talked about this. Shane also messaged yeah, yeah. me when Marc Gasol got signed by the Lakers. But Tyler, what is your opinion on that? He probably wanted two years. I don't think the Raps wanted to lock him in for two years because of Yanni. And no, because he looked 112 last season. The guy is. Can I finish? Can I finish, please? (laughs) This is my podcast, not yours. Uh, He he was fantastic in the championship year. His offense was atrocious in the playoffs in the bubble this year, but I would, I'm okay with moving on from Mark. I just respect the guy. He's one of my, uh, I've loved watching him in Memphis. I, it was a treat to watch him in Toronto and I'm fine with him not coming back. I was a little bit more upset that, uh, Serge didn't come back than Mark, but I, that, again, it's it's all about Yanni in 2021-22. So. I got to say, I like Steven Adams. He's one of my favorite players. That uh, Just a gritty, hard player. I actually really like him going to the Pels. I know you were kind of disappointed about that, but I, I thought that was smart by the Pels. I also can't believe that Zion's now the most tenured player on the Pelicans, which yeah, is relaxed. I, I don't think yeah. 30 much, games. though. I think yeah, it's quite, I, yeah I think, exactly. 
I think JJ Redick is going to be in that conversation too, but I think Zion just got drafted before Redick was signed. Yeah, it's literally just because the draft is before free agency. Okay, you you came back down to earth with that Marcus All thing. I I totally agree. I like Marcus All. The grit and grind era in Memphis was great. Mike Conley's been a huge bust for the Utah Jazz, so I'm interested to see what happens there. I was sad. I'm like talk about difference. Marcus All went to Toronto and instantly helped them, and then Utah took up Mike Conley, who I thought was a great pickup, and then he just shot mm-hmm. them in the foot. But yeah, he was great. Grit and Grind was really cool. Marcus is a great player. He works hard. I still can't believe he got two years after what he was last year. But uh, for the veterans minimum, if you're LA, it's like Nikola Jokic insurance. Like it's just someone to to throw against big bodies on other teams. Yeah. So that's fair. Because defensively, exactly. he is still very good. Like mm-hmm. his team defense and his awareness is is really good. But I mean, and you can't you can't get worse than JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. So that's another <laughs> exactly. thing. Let's yeah, just exactly. be clear about that. I don't yeah. know who is the guy the raps picked up. I can't. Alex Len. Alex Len is Alex, Alex Len. Len either and, those guys. Uh, and, and and Aaron Baines. Baines. Aaron Baines. Baines. I like that. I like Baines. Yeah, yeah Baines is a nice pickup. Um, they they love big foreign white guys. A little Andrea Bargnani trigger warning for the for the audience there. But Valentinus uh, Baines, big giant guy from New Zealand. Oof, mm. JV. Yeah. Tyler, I know there's one more sports questions we got here, but after this, we'll move on just because I know not all our listeners love the basketball talk as much as we do. We're going to transition away from the NBA a little bit, but again, like you mentioned before, a friend of the show, your former roommate, Isaac Koch, he'd like to know why you think that the Houston Astros did absolutely nothing wrong in their cheating scandal. Oh my God. Oh man. He knows that this is like, <laughs> uh, oof. okay. So Isaac and I get along really well, except for this topic. We've had like full on screaming matches about this. And I know that he knows that I'm right. And he does it just to wow me up because he thinks, he thinks that the Houston Astros didn't cheat the team that was like, yeah, he he did not. Isaac thinks that the Houston Astros did not cheat. So (laughs) all you got to do is show him John boys, Twitter account or media or uh, Instagram account. And the videos are all there. It's not that hard to know that I'm right. When the entire, like the actual league office tells me I'm right. Yeah. They cheated. The whole yeah, world knows a, they cheated. They're the biggest cheaters in modern sports. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know. He apparently when after we argue and I like go downstairs cause I'm, I'm too heated that I just want to yell more and that's not very productive. He, I go downstairs and then he looks at Jordan. And he goes, yeah, they cheated. He knows that they <laughs> cheated, but he likes, he just gets me all riled up. And then I end up screaming and looking silly about sports. It will be at a party. And he'll just bring it up while we're, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I kind of feel like they were within the rules. Like, that's just baseball <laughs> rules. Dumb. And then all of a sudden, I'm yelling while we're hosting a party. And everyone's like, ugh, what's wrong with Shane? Like, why is he so angry? And then oh. I'll, like, leave. And then Isaac goes, yeah, no, they cheated. So, Isaac, you did it again. You got me mad. You win. Uh, congrats on your engagement, by the way, buddy. That's that's huge. Good for you. Yeah. But also, you know, the, yeah. the Astros cheated, and you know it. So that's my wedding present is the knowledge that I'm right. So we're going to backtrack a little bit here, talk about some of the Vice Nation ambassador yeah. stuff. But what were some of the hats that you wore with Carson? I know you've done quite a few jobs in the building. Yeah. So when Carson opened, I think my first gig there was like as an ambassador, I was a tour guide for Carson. Uh, I worked at the equipment desk. I worked for intramurals. I worked for Vikes camps. And I was the in the varsity window as a team manager i just like saying varsity and then i don't 
elaborate to what it is that creates an aura of mystery. Although one, one look at me and you're like, yeah, no, probably not a varsity athlete, but still I was in the varsity realm. So those are the, those are the big five, the fab five. Multi-sport contributor. We heard a great story from yeah. Grant. Uh, he was telling me about one time you helped out coaching the bikes, like U16 and U17 youth teams together. Oh, uh, and you showed up to a scrimmage between the two teams one time in a full suit wearing a bow tie. Is that true? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that was that was uh, a tough look. Well, actually, I look great. But what had happened was that the way I understood it was that we were having we were playing some games, and so I thought that that would mean other teams were coming. So it was like we were going to be coaching. I was an assistant coach. I was like, okay, other teams coming. Like we got to look good. No. It was a scrimmage against other Vikes Nation teams. We're literally just in the field house. There's like three courts going and everyone's just sitting on not even the bleachers aren't even pulled out. They're just sitting on wooden benches. And I'm there, button up, tucked in, dress shoes, bow tie. And Grant is the first one on me. He he catches me as I walk into the gym and he's already filming me because I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm going to look good. And he's filming and there's a video still and he's just like, bro, it's a scrimmage. And he zooms in on me. And I'm just standing there and you can see me like look across the crowd, like uh, as the guy, it's that classic look of the guy who's overdressed for the event. I just walk in and I'm like, I look like I work here. Like this is not it. And then I got talked to all day because that was probably around like three. And later in that evening, the girls team had a practice and the guys team had a practice. So that whole night, everyone's like, yo, why are you like, what's so, what's the occasion? Why are you so dressed up? Why are you doing this? And I just started coming up with excuses like, well, if I ask them to play their best, I have to look my best or I have a date. That was a common one. I have a date later. No, I didn't. No, one, everyone knew I don't have a, no, one, everyone knows I don't have a date. So that was a long night, a long night of just accepting that I was overdressed for a scrimmage. Actually had a uh, former head coach, Danny of the women's team was the best part because she just sat next to me for like three hours because she, and I quote, she's like, it's really funny to hear you go through this again and again and again. So she just sat with me all night watching me repeat myself as, as if there's ever going to be a better answer than I'm an idiot. But oh, that was basically that. it, was I'm an idiot. So some people say, look good, play good. But does it translate to coaching? Look good, coach good? I think so. I think that was, <laughs> I think that was a big, big motivator for the guys. I would, I would walk into the huddle before every game and just be like, listen, I dressed up like an idiot for you guys. So you better make me <laughs> proud out here. This is important. This is important. If, if I'm dressed like this and we lose really bad, uh, you guys are running so many suicides at practice. <laughs> so we, we played good. And uh, like I said, I was just the assistant. So Josh was the head coach and he was, he's fantastic. He's so, so smart. I really like Josh. And so my role was mostly like little nuggets, of knowledge here and there, do what I can. And then a lot of individual stuff. So like when Josh was running big drills, I'd pull one kid aside and just give him like a little pointer on how he could improve maybe one thing and then pop him back in the drill. And, and I would offer one, one team nugget per practice. That was kind of my, my own personal rule. And then let Josh cook because the guy's a, a genius. We often have the trend of asking our student athletes that come on the show what they do in their downtime. So we wanted to ask you what you do when you're not supporting fans or doing schoolwork or whatever. But before we give you the stage, we found out that uh, you like yeah. to study Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother and try one day to maybe beat your roommates at NHL 20. Do you care to elaborate? Yeah. Okay. So, so How I Met Your Mother is like the closest thing I have to a religion. I've been through that bad boy like 15 times. I love it. 
And so that's the big one. That's the like study, <laughs> studying Ted Mosby. And then the other one is NHL 20 took over our household for like three months. Isaac got it on his Xbox and there became like a hierarchy in the house, literally taped on the wall. We had names on pieces of tape and like the NHL hierarchy. And throughout, we had the five of us in the house. So I think at the time it was me, Jordan, Brett, Fleming, Isaac, and we're the five in the house. And so there are five names. And then there was our buddies who came over often. So we had Eric, Nick, and then Connor as well. So at, at one point there was like eight names on this list of hierarchy. And the rule was, if you're below someone, you can only challenge one person above you. And you had to try and work your way to the top. And boy, oh boy, if I ever left that bottom three, it was, we were partying. I'm so bad. And then Isaac and Andy basically traded spots at the top. Jordan and Brett would like flirt with being near the top. But I was a, I was a mainstay of the bottom. I was, a, I was the B League for sure. Yeah, Isaac made sure to, to mention that you were quite severely the worst person at NHL 20 in that household. <laughs> yeah, we, that's pretty uh, fair. We, I, we also want to know, though, I, I did get tipped off that you maybe still owe some cash to Grant Sitton for an Xbox back in the day. Is that true? Yeah. So that's uh, so I have that Xbox actually here with me now. Basically, when the quarantine first hit and everyone kind of went home, I was going bored out of my mind. And I don't know if you guys looked to try and buy a gaming system. It was basically impossible to get your hands on one. So I, I uh, talked to Grant fairly regularly, especially with both of us home and like locked in our houses. We were, we were chatting pretty often and he mentioned that he has, he had two Xboxes. He got one through a crazy story. If you guys ever have Grant on again, ask him how he got the second Xbox. I'll let him tell it. But uh, he, it was basically through the team in Europe, let's say, he got a second Xbox. So he offered, because the plan was originally Grant was going to live with me this summer because he trains with Josh up here right. still. And so Grant was like, oh, I'll just mail you an Xbox and then you can pay me back for it later. He said that once we get to Canada, he's like, you can just give me money then. E-transferring through currencies and that kind of stuff is overrated. He says it's too much work. So I'll just send it to you. We'll figure it out afterwards. I paid for the Xbox when it arrived, obviously. And then like with the mailing, all that, all those fees. And then I've had the Xbox ever since. And obviously we're, <laughs> we're not out of quarantine. So basically Grant gave me an Xbox for the last six months or whatever now maybe seven or eight i don't know time is linear and I he guess. still hasn't made and, Canada, uh, so you don't owe him anything yet yeah exactly i'm like i can't i can't give you the money if i wanted to man <laughs> you gotta get up here also speaking of grant huge shout out he signed a pro contract in slovakia yesterday oh, so your sweet. boy's going back yeah nice. so your boy's going back yeah it's been nice we've been uh playing warzone pretty often and he uh so he gave me the good news which I'm actually, I'm, I'm still friends with a pro athlete, but I'm sad that he has to go away because now we got to deal with the time difference again. Yeah, he did, he did uh, post that, I think, on his Instagram story today. Funny yeah. tidbit here just for you because I know you may be looking for a coaching gig. I did get an email from his yeah. former club donor that they are hiring assistant coaches. If you'd like, I can forward that your way. That would be huge. Please, yeah. Get, a, get some international travel. Get some international ball under my, under my belt. That would be big. Thank you. Yeah. Just say that you already have FIBA resume, experience. Resume works. Yeah, just say you got yeah, FIBA experience. experience. Grant is your reference. I think you're in. I think so. I mean, what, that resume speaks for itself. Five different departments at a low-level university level and team manager. Yeah, and you had Where your, like, 20 seconds of coaching fame, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 seconds of, of rejected coaching feedback. But until then, uh, you're an athlete in your own right, and we've seen that you've taken your soccer talents to the intramural turf with the Sanish Bandits. 
who are the Sandwich Bandits and what is the team culture like? Yes, yeah, so the Sandwich Bandits are my Div 2 team, actually. My intramural team was the Doves of Justice, who remain the greatest intramural dynasty of all time. 11 banners in like six years. We're, Sorry, we're what are they called? I'm just going to put that out there. The Doves of Justice. <laughs> okay. Tyler's losing it over yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah that's an unbelievable the intramural unbelievable name thank you thank you i'm not gonna i joined the dynasty i was a late round draft pick and then the div two sandwich bandits are uh are the team that i play with now so we play on the visl the vancouver island soccer league and um it's just like a great group of guys who i got taken there by chris fogner who i worked with at the equipment desk he played he's been playing with those guys for a long time so it's a lot of guys that live out in Cordova Bay and grew up there. And so they're playing together still. And we, we like lead the league in former varsity athletes for a, a Div 2 team. We have guys like Liam McManaman, who played at UBC and as well for the Whitecaps. We have Sam Pretty, former Vikes All-Star, and a couple more guys I'm forgetting now. But we have a lot of, a lot of talent for a, a Div 2 team. And the biggest reason for being in Div 2 is because we still only practice once a week and we drink beers after practice. Dude, the locker room vibes say, are impeccable. I thought you were going to say that oh. you lead the league in like yellow cards and red cards. Oh, no. Our team actually might lead the league in yellow cards. We are, we've been known to get pretty pretty scrappy. Uh, uh, Josh Brown plays for Team Canada Field Hockey. That's another one. I, I don't want to... I don't want to step on anyone's toes, forget athletic accomplishments. But um, it's a great group of guys who, who love a good beer after the locker room. On Instagram, at Sandwich Bandits, it's a great account. Give them a follow. Sean is constantly creating memes that are wildly specific and wildly entertaining. So uh, shout out at Sandwich Bandits. It's a good time. They are, they are pretty funny. For somebody, I've, I've checked it out. For somebody that doesn't know the team super well, just knows a few of the guys, I think really just a couple, uh, I still find a lot of joy in those memes. Yeah. They're pretty good. Endorsement's coming. And in your Bandits team bio, it mentions that you hate gluten just as much as you hate losing. As someone that loves gluten, can you tell me what the worst thing about being gluten intolerant is? Yeah, the celiac life is not fun. I got diagnosed 10 years ago. So I would say the, the, the part is like having to think about where I'm going to eat. You know, like I met, especially in high school, it was a really, it was really frustrating because, you know, you go on road trips and like after tournament, you're like, oh, frick it. Let's just stop at Don's and grab some burgers. I'm just sitting there munching like a fries, feeling like a tool. And so the ease of access to gluten-free food, I think is the biggest change. That whole craze when everyone went gluten-free and it was like the it culture was wildly frustrating, but it was also a huge help because now you can get gluten-free food at almost any restaurant. So live by the sword, die by the sword kind of deal there. But um, yeah, and I miss good baked goods. I'll do anything for lemon poppy seed loaf. And I haven't found a good... So if anyone knows a good gluten-free spot, please hit me up. I would love to get that. I had no idea that you can make those loaves even gluten-free though. Like I know you can make banana bread yeah. gluten-free, but uh, yeah. I imagine you can't just like overdo the amount of lemon in a lemon poppy seed loaf to account for the lack of gluten. Like it doesn't work. Exactly. No, it's not a, it's not a direct ratio. Such like a in banana bread. thing to be into though. Lemon poppy seed oh, loaf. It's so good. It's so good, man. I oh. It's, I think it's the best baked good out there. Like I was never a big cake guy or like a lot of baked goods I can live without. But if someone introduced me to some good lemon poppy seed loaf, I'd be forever indebted. 
I enjoy poppy seeds and I don't mind lemon stuff. So I might uh, I might be open to that baked good idea. I might have to look that up. Maybe for the Super Bowl. We'll see. That changed your life, man. That changed your life. Bowl, Super Bowl party, you bring lemon poppy seed loaf. <laughs> oh yeah. Love guy at a Super Bowl party. That's a great way to not get invited next year, actually. Is everyone shows up with like chicken wings and beers and cool dips, and you're like, I brought lemon loaf. Don't worry, it's gluten-free. <laughs> Don't worry, it's yeah, not only is it a weird thing, it's also not as good. Yeah. Everyone's gonna show up with, like you said, chips and wings. I'm I always try and bring something a little bit off the radar, so that might be it. That could be it. Cocktail shrimp. That's a nice one, actually. That's a nice oh, yeah. addition to any party. Never thought of, but a little cocktail ring. It's nice. All right, Sugar, we're going we're gonna to close this one off here. But before we do, so Shane, away from the yeah. podcast, you and I, great friends. You're a guy that always makes people feel welcome and good about themselves while showing a genuine interest in getting to know people. So some would say, including myself, that you are known to thrive. So to end the podcast, can you tell us what people can do to thrive in their everyday lives? First of all, that was really nice. Thank you. I didn't pay Liam to say that. I paid a lot of people to pay say a lot of nice things, but that was just, that was genuine nice. So thanks, buddy. Take care of the things that make you happy. I think it's the easiest way to thrive. Like do the things that make you happy, especially in a quarantine situation. Like I know for me, I'm a very social person. So this has been like a really big test of finding other things to like keep me entertained and fill up my cup as it were. So something I've been doing a lot of is reading. I do a lot of FaceTimes. That app House Party is a game changer. You can play like Pictionary and stuff, but uh, check in with the people you care about and, and do the things that make you happy. That's how you thrive. Well, Shane, it was an absolute pleasure. We look forward to seeing you back in Victoria sometime soon. Take care, buddy. Thank you very much for having me, boys. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Finished up that great episode with Shane. As you guys all know now, what a great guy. I think when Tyler and I first had this conversation, I had to sell him a little bit on the idea of bringing on uh, a fan versus a student athlete. But Tyler, does it make sense? I don't know about that. It was, I'm going to defend myself here. You called me up and said, hey, I got an idea for a podcast. And I listened to it and I said, "Ah, sure. So it wasn't too much of a sell job for me. But yeah, go on. You were right. It was awesome. It was awesome. The NBA podcast that Shane and I do off of the air when it's literally just him and I chatting about the NBA goes on for like two, three hours. One time we watched one of the Western conference games this year and the entire time just ripping on each other about players that we like. And it's a good time. So I knew that Shane was going to be a blast to have on the show with all the stories too. Tyler, what stood out to you of the stories? Any funny ones? They're all funny. They're all great. I loved getting into the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, maybe we spent a little too long on the NBA, but who cares? I, like I said, I've never met a diehard Bucks fan. I liked hearing how he got into the Bucks, and if Yanni does leave, and then he said he will be devastated in the franchise, maybe even switch franchises. I remember being a younger, much younger, when I was a kid, and I was I felt that way about Curtis Joseph, uh, New Market's own. Same with Danielle Hannes and myself. When he left Toronto for Detroit and more money, I was devastated. So I, I relate to Shane on so many, so many levels and I'm going to have to meet him in person. He's in quarantine right now after coming back from a trip, but I'll have to meet him in person one of these days. Yeah. Some of the, the highlights that I want to run down on here that we talked about, Sandwich Bandits. I want to get out and see the Sandwich Bandits play. They seem like a scrappy team. Shane coaching a U16, U17 team in a full suit and bow tie. Phenomenal. He failed to mention this, but everybody else, there, this is what Grant told me, everybody else there is just rocking like basketball sweats. 
and Shane was in a full-on tuxedo, essentially. Uh, The morph suit and just the fact that he wanted to do that because he thought it'd be fun and he could go support like one of his childhood friends. And then he got roped into essentially a paying job. I love that. That's so funny. And then climbing uh, the system, just sticking to a player. He's very committed to his, uh, his NBA team because of liking one guy and now two guys, Dante DiVincenzo. So uh, I don't know. I would say very committed, but he's actually, you know what? I did one other thing that was really funny that I want to mention was uh, when he got his couple seconds of fame, trying to coach the men's basketball team. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall just to watch that happen. I can see right now in Bo camp in my mind's eye, not being too thrilled with that. So Tyler, in the intro, you, you teased some stuff. You uh, unfortunately mentioned this will be your last episode on the Give and Go Bikes podcast. I will say it's been an absolute pleasure taking this project on with you. We've had the opportunity to get to know each other better, get to know a lot of student athletes better, and uh, really just have a great time for an hour and a half when we record these episodes. So thank you for being very willing and uh, knowledgeable in the sports realm and uh, also having fun with us. Kind of miss you. Yeah. Gather around kids. We got a little story to tell here. So obviously COVID has impacted sports world globally. Youth sports in Canada West, they're not any different than anybody else. So when they canceled the fall semester, I was still really hoping that sports would be back in the winter and not just so I would keep it my job, but because I enjoy watching and going out and supporting and doing everything I do for the Vikes. But then when they canceled the winter sports, I kind of got the feeling that my contract wouldn't be extended. So it was no surprise that we're here. And it's not just a UVic Vikes thing. I know there's several other schools around the Canada West and U Sports that are going through the same thing. So I got a little uh, got a little game here to end it. So for those who are unaware, this podcast venture was basically Liam's idea. I heard that he wanted to pull one together and I immediately jumped on board before Michael could. So I had something to do all summer. <laughs> before Michael could. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. He's going to try and steal the spot as the co-host moving forward. So with this being Liam's brainchild, he should know a little bit about the show that we've been doing for the past seven months. So I will put him to the test right now and see how well he remembers the first X amount of Give and Go Vikes podcasts. Okay. So are you ready for podcast trivia? Exclusively Give and Go Vikes podcast trivia. I'm ready. And I will also say I had no idea this was coming. So I have no preparation. Exactly. No cheating either. Don't look at your phone because yeah. answers might be in there. Don't worry. I'll, I'll loop in some background music here so it'll make it go by a little bit better. Question number one. How many episodes have we done, including today's? How many episodes have we done? I believe this is episode 29. No. We have done, I think this oh, will be. Oh, are you including the bonus episode? I am. And the little intro we did too. So. Oh, so this would be 31, I think. Still wrong. It will be 34. So. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Oh, for one. How many podcasts have we done with just one guest? I'm going to say 22. 22? Yeah. Wrong. 12. Can you name them? Wow. Okay. Isaac Koch. Sugar Shane. Yep. This Grant. is just bonus. This is, yeah. if you go 12 for 12, this is bonus. Are we including Grant sitting as once or twice? Two. Okay. So I'm at four. Yeah. 
James O'Neill. No, we did it with Mostyn. Uh, Patrick Keene. Yep. Kathleen Leahy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get that wrong. Danielle Hannes. Yep. New Market Zone. New Market Zone. Shadow. Damn, you know what? You're stumping me on this one. Can you fill in the blanks for me? Sure. Carlos Costa. Puck Lowe's. Josh Kozell. These are recent ones, too. Yeah. I have no idea how you didn't get this one. LJ McKinley. LJ, yes. The one where I was really hungry. I remember that episode. Yeah, I'm feeling that right now. I got to get a panini in me real quick. I think that's it, though. I think you got you got Becca Frangos, which is one I thought you were. Right. That was one of the barrier. That was like our second episode. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit difficult one here. Uh, how many student athletes have we had on the podcast that have represented Canada internationally? Holy, you really did your research on this one. I'm going to say nine. Wrong again. I, To my knowledge, it's 13. Are you going to feed me a layup one of these times or are you just going to keep stumping me? <laughs> I think that you, I think you might go over. You might go okay. a New York Jets here. So I have Nate Hirama, Doug Tate, coach. Oh, yeah. Did, did Becca, Becca competes for Canada, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Pat Keen. Yep, I had that one. Kat, Animal Kathleen on Leahy. Yeah, I had her. Vaughn Taylor. Oh, yes. Danielle, obviously. Anna Mollenhauer. Yeah. Travis Gronstall. Mm, there we go. Missed him. James O'Neill. Shims. Sasha Geddes. Okay. And Bryn Tommy. Bryn competed for Canada, hey? Yeah, was she at the World University Golf Championships, I think? Yeah, I believe you're right. Something along those lines. There might be there might be one or two more, but it definitely was more than nine. So I'm still gonna give you a incorrect on that one. Okay, you should get this one. Which sport did we feature on the show the most? Men's and women's. So just the sport. Rugby. Yeah, you did. Do you know how many rugby episodes we have? We did two with Nate and Doug. We did one with Mawson and James. We did, and then we did two with the women's rugby team as well. So we did five. Yeah, the women's ones were Regan and Taylor, and then yeah. Sasha and Brooke. Not bad. One for four, two fifty to get to get this thing going. And I got twelve questions total. Just okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Excluding me, how many citizens from the lovely BC interior were on the show? Oh man, you love talking about the interior. It's uh, a great place. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say twelve. Twelve, incorrect. To my count, I got six. Well, I haven't really been counting. I didn't want this to take too long, but I definitely thought we were that. Whatever. It's the yeah. last show before the holidays. Yeah, Isaac, Brooke, including yourself. No, I said excluding me. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Isaac, who else is there? No, not Karis Isaac. No. Nope. I'm out. Uh, we had him on the podcast yesterday. Jack Savage. Yeah. Uh, his buddy, Ethan Phillips. Yeah. Eliza Jane Kitchen. Yeah, that's the one that I was missing, right? And I confirmed it before we recorded this. Larissa McKinley considers Grand Forks to be an interior. Yeah, I had Larissa in there. All right, there's six. Yeah, you're right. Okay. How many podcasts did I have to bleep out a swear word? Only a few. I think three. I have eight. Really? Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
for future episodes. Seven. Let's keep it clean here, guys. Yeah, it was. I'm gonna be doing the editing coming up. <laughs> Question number seven. Did you include I'm, the Sugar Shane one that we just? I did. Recorded? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Question number seven. How many guests uploaded their own highlight reel to YouTube? Uh, I'm gonna say two. Uh, Grant Sidden and Tyler Lowy. <laughs> no, uh, close. I have three. So Grant Sidden, obvious. Carlos Costa. Oh yeah. And Puck Lowe's. Yes. Okay. Okay. You should get this one. Question number eight. What was the consensus favorite dessert chosen by women's soccer players for their birthday cake, which head coach Tracy David makes? Uh, Easier like a triple chocolate or some like peanut butter explosion cake, something like that. Okay, I'm gonna give that to you because I didn't go back and listen to any of it, but I, in my memory, I'm hearing them say like some kind of a chocolate peanut butter cake. So yeah, something like that. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay, still waiting on that, Tracy. Yeah, no kidding. So hey, you kept up your one, your 250 band average. You're now two for eight. Okay, which podcast was our longest? The Larissa McKinley podcast. It was going to be the Larissa McKinley podcast, but <laughs> Sugar remember, we, podcast. with the trivia game now, yes, but we had to, I had to cut out a tons from that Larissa McKinley one. So that got it down to like 115. Our longest was Grant Sidden part two until this one. I think that was about an hour 18. So okay. which episode was our shortest? Intro teaser. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I guess, but I also, okay, I'll give that one to you, but I was also looking for the Merchant last dance. Episode? No, oh. the last dance hot takes where you famously said that uh, Phil Jackson was a good coach as your hot take. That was hey. really good. <laughs> it's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the penultimate question. How many episodes featured a boy-girl combo? Not many. The Tommies, the Murchisons. Damn, there's another one that I'm forgetting who it was. And then there's probably another one I'm forgetting after that. So I'm going to say four. Should have trusted your gut. You had it right the first time. Three. So the two the two golf podcasts, and then we had Andrea and Ethan from Swing. Right. Okay, last question. What was the date of the first real episode? Not the little intro thing. Well, I know that we crossed the six-month mark a few weeks ago. So I think our first episode was May, May the 25th. Off by one week, May 19th. Oh, not that, bad. I was close. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let me just add it up here. One, I'm gonna two, say I got three. part marks on one of these marks. Yeah. I gave you the last dance one. So that's, a, that's your bonus. So three for 12, not great. 250. Not going to get you in the Hall of Fame with that bad average. Not making the majors likely either. So like Liam said, like I said, in all seriousness, this is my last time appearing on the Give and Go Vikes podcast. Even though I know nobody is still listening at this point, I just want to take some time to thank some people. I've truly enjoyed being on this podcast. It was a fantastic way to keep us both busy and hopefully it built up the Vikes brand, maybe just a little bit. Thank you to our lovely sponsor, the UVic Alumni Association, for supporting this podcast from basically the beginning. All of our guests will become members of the alumni family at some point, and it's important to stay connected to the program and help out the next generation of Vikes. I'd like to thank all of our fantastic guests, 
it takes a little bit of courage to sign up to do an you know 40 to an hour minute interview with two people they really don't know it's safe to say that i had a blast and know all these incredible student athletes a little bit better i'd like to thank covid 19 for absolutely nothing that, that was my um conor mcgregor the one thing it was good for was a chance to grow out a mustache and not get shame Thank you to Mark Johns, the Vikes Marketing and Communications Officer for putting together those snazzy graphics each week. Mark is the man. Thank you to Zoom for allowing the option to record these meetings because the app we used for the first few episodes kind of sucked and let us down. Yes, it did. Thank you to Pinterest and for good food for giving us probably what ended up being a couple hours of content over the course of the podcast. Thank you to hometowns and new ways to spell slash pronounce names that always gave me an easy spot to jump in and start the podcast. And again, endless apologies for all those names I butchered along the way. Oh my God. I'm almost done. Thank you to Mark Assault for your year and a half as a Toronto Raptor. (laughs) Thank you to James Keogh, Melissa Keogh. Uh, Nick Clark, Michelle Peterson, and Clint Hamilton for not shutting this show down early and allowing me to work from home during this pandemic. I've actually really enjoyed it. Thank you to our listeners, especially the Vikes student-athletes. I know I wasn't the greatest sports information guy in the world, and I was taking over for one of the best in the country, but thank you for your patience. Hopefully I did more good than bad for the Vikes brand. And lastly, thank you, Liam, for the podcast. I said it was your idea. I needed something to keep me busy work-wise during the spring and summer, and this was perfect. You got the ball rolling. I think we both had a pretty good time acting like fools a little bit here and there. Uh, The next time I wax my brother-in-laws in in badminton or catch a dodgeball without breaking my finger, I'll be reminded of some of the great stories we told on this podcast. Wow. Heartwarming memory. Thanks, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. God, that was a surprise. I'm happy you took the time to thank those people and, uh, I'm really appreciative that you did this with me. It would have been a lot harder to do it alone. And uh, a lot of the stuff that doesn't get noticed by our listeners is the editing and the behind the scenes stuff. Meaning Tyler going through the recorded podcast, pulling stuff out, cleaning it up, and then also all the work that he's done beforehand to do uh, a little bit of background research for some of our guests too. So thank you, Tyler. Really appreciate it. No worries. It was a good time. And um, yeah, I'll be back in Victoria. Well, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm sure I'll be back in Victoria. So I'll see you soon. Wonderful. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Take care. We will see you likely in the new year. We'll be taking a bit of a break. Goodbye, folks. Thanks for listening to the Give and Go Vikes podcast, supported by the UVic Alumni Association. 